Yeah. They're they're not a good example of anything. <laughs> not, not really. They're, they're a good example of what happens when you keep trying to be an empire after you're totally not an empire. That's fair. And uh, and it causes this this like I feel like it's a weird fractious existence, totally not integrated with itself. It does it has you know, this weird monarchy pomp and circumstance, and yet like it's an empty gesture sort of i mean there's it's nice to have a, for a country to have a figurehead that sort of like represents the goodwill of the country i suppose so maybe yeah. take a take a cue from that in the states so, and just have like a goodwill ambassador but but wow i mean really though on top of it isn't the royal family like one of the largest single like entity like single landowner entities in the world i don't know about landowners i know that they they are fairly how wealthy still like they are still skilled. They do actually do stuff. Yeah. yeah. They still like run organizations. Like one of them is a helicopter pilot or some shit. Yeah, they're, they're not allowed to, like in Britain specifically, they're not allowed to do anything political though. So if you're in the royal family, you can't run for any kind of public office. You can't make public statements about stuff. There's... Which I think is funny because people would probably just laugh at them if they tried. But yeah, well, I mean, people are laughing at uh, Meghan Merkel because she went to the states and is trying and is trying to use her uh, status for you know political stuff, and the royal family is like, "You're not allowed to do this. Like, this is illegal under our, our laws." Like you can't do that. <laughs> That's anyway. Well, anyway, yeah. It's weird. Hmm. Interesting. I I haven't been. I have not been aware of that. Well, they they oh. literally gave up their positions. Huh. They're like as royalty. Wow. So they did the whole like. Yeah, they're yeah. like we're not a part of this anymore, and they came to the states. Yeah. So there was like a specific like separation, some money, whatever. But yeah, they're not. I don't know how that. Like I don't know the literalness of it as far as being part of the royal family, but they have no royal duties. Yeah, it's weird. Apparently, she's still signing stuff as like the Duchess of whatever. Yeah. So whatever. Which I, I don't. Most of it. It's weird. Yeah, I think that that's. Yeah. I just know anyway, that like I think that's British not friends very are pissy about take. it. Yeah, no, we don't care. We, I, I, I profoundly don't care about that. If Capital <laughs> okay, would, would be even caring less. Make yeah. a game-based hot take then. Yes, this is the this is the Christmas pre-Christmas episode. I guess for pre-holiday, not really pre-Christmas because it's like pre a lot of everything else. Wait, are yeah. we pre-holiday right now? Uh, we're no, posted. we're quite a bit post. It was a, I mean, not that I know anything of it, but I happen to know that it ended like on the sixth this year. Yeah, oh, okay. maybe the seventh, but it was the beginning of the month this year. So. Yeah. Thanks for letting me know. I was not. Uh, I had a lot going on then. Jeez, and I'm not Jewish, so, or I'm not religiously Jewish, although I am somewhat by heritage, tiny bit. But anyway. Uh, Where's that code going? Right, the hot take. 
episode. That's what we're doing. We are doing hot takes on RPGs or what we think. Do we? Should we just say what we think and then then not try and do hot takes and just see how how weird it gets? I guess. I guess I don't know what what is a hot take because probably my hot takes are just things that I think about RPGs that are that I think are reasonable, and then other people go like, "Whoa, what?" Well, it was it was Jonathan's idea, so he might want yeah. to clarify what a hot take is. Yeah, or go first. Give us an example. Yeah, there you go. You oh, must have some hot takes if you want people Sorry, to give I'm, hot takes. My connection is in and out, so I'm just kind of waiting oh. for that to come. But anyway, I, I, the way I see of a hot take is like it's something that you might feel of strongly that you're likely you might have a lot of pushback on. It's it's kind of it's like an internet term, right? Like it's yeah. a Twitter term, basically. Of course, um, it's it's an opinion. It's usually quick, and it's probably unpopular. And it's probably meant to be inflammatory. Like people might pretend that it's that's not what they're doing, but that's usually what they're doing. Yes. Uh, so if we're looking for an example, yes. Um, try to f- find one here. So mine are all like mostly design related. Oh. Uh, not game related specifically, but it could just be game related hot takes. They kind of fall along the same lines. Okay, here's a hot take: all designers are still just trying to design better D and D. I mean, I'd agree with you. I'd say not all of them, but a good point. Wait, we're not supposed to examine them. Huh? No, no, you, you can. can. You can. That co- that type of comment is like you don't agree, so you, you can say like, no, nah, I don't think so. Or I'd whatever. say I'd say most of them are. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But there's definitely some people that have never played D anD D and have no idea about it, but they're still working on RPGs because they've played other games that are completely different from it. I I see people doing exactly what Cat is doing. Is that saying right there where where people are. Like have never played D and D and are just making their own thing, and then uh, like eighty percent of the time they end up making some version of D and D. I I was gonna say, are they? Maybe it can be rewarded that they're not trying to remake D and D; they're just trying to remake the first game that they played. Yeah, generally speaking, and it's usually That's relative. <laughs> like if it was a computer RPG of some kind, you know, console or otherwise, then. Uh, yeah. Uh, likely it was based on D&D at some point. Like, either there are hit points and spells, and, you know, you can run out of spells, and uh, there's treasure and experience points and levels and, you know, uh, armor and uh, weapons and uh, uh, monsters, and uh, you kill stuff and advance and get better shit, and then you fight a bigger monster, and then that's the end, and you all feel awesome. That 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 thing that right there that they end up making that and then it kind of like D and D when you squint. I mean, that's. I would say that's actually mostly just because a lot of them are trying to make video game RPGs into tabletop, which is that, weird because video game RPGs came from tabletop. Yeah, that would be my 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 stance in the few times that I've tried to make or or not make an RPG, but like write down ideas for one. It's I realized that I'm really just trying to make uh, Final Fantasy. Right. <laughs> I've, I've totally had that experience. 
where I, I start like, ooh, I could have did you for... And then I get to the end of, like, a page and a half, and I'm like, oh, this is just Final Fantasy uh, 3. Or, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like, oh, yeah. Is that a problem? No, no. I mean, they're fantastic games. You know, yeah. I will I will wax poetic all week about, about Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait for that. Oh, yeah. thank you. I just received a gingerbread cookie. Okay, before before we move off, hot take. Final Fantasy VIII is one of the worst designed games of all time. I agree, 100%. Yep. Damn it. Some people get really angry about that. Let down after seven, holy shit. Well, I mean, I, I know people that played it and enjoyed it, so it, obviously that's not everybody's experience, but like for me, like I, I wow, nope. My experience is the people who love eight, eight was their first Final Fantasy. The, the thing I find about it is that it's not a bad game, like it's in, it can be enjoyable. I didn't like any of the characters, I didn't mm-hmm. like the plot line, I didn't like a lot of the game mechanics, but. People can still enjoy it. That's not saying it's bad. I'm saying that in the sense of when you look at what it was trying to accomplish, like its target audience, for example, because they wanted to remove like magic points from the game, the changes that they did to make that viable basically systematically went through everything that you would want out of a JRPG and made it not viable. Like, all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, anything you would want to do in the game, yeah, that doesn't work. Oh, I, I've I've spent three hours drawing Ultima one yeah. at a time from an enemy. You know, I understand. Yeah, I know. It's... That is one of my ex- my biggest examples. It's like, okay, you're fighting a big boss... There's a timer on the boss. If the timer reaches zero, you lose. So are you going to try to kill the boss quick? No, you're going to sit there and keep drawing magic off it over and over and over and over and over for 20 minutes. And then, like, real quick. Yeah, that, like this is not... Why, why did this ever happen? This should never have been a thing. Okay, so I think you have defended the hot take adequately. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... You are not allowed to defend the hot page. You just have uh, to sit, uh, sit there. Yeah. I can't do that! Yes, you Pretend can. you were making a Reddit post, and then your computer died, and you couldn't go back for a week to see the, the what everyone posted about it. Your phone also broke. And also, <laughs> yes. everything. I... Also... The power went out in the entire area, so you can't go yeah. 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 <laughs> Keep in mind that what I grew up doing was writing on forums and such, right? And what I discovered through working on forums and talking in conversations there was that people only tend to read the first post. So I would put something down... And then I would clarify in later posts directly to individuals, like somebody brings something up and I'd be like, oh, that's not what I meant. It was like this. And I tried to explain it more clearly. But what I found is that you'd get like five, 10 people all 
making the same comments about the original post because they didn't read any of the the later posts. So what happened is over time, I started working to anticipate on what the complaints would be. And the initial posts just got bigger and bigger so that I'd have all of the right. counters and defenses of my position in the original post. So this does not work. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, but real, re realize that just stems from like, a, you're just, you're just habituating a massive anxiety attack. Yeah. I think if, no, in the, if, which we're not really in, but if you're in the Twitter world, the point is to like flame up the Twitter world, fucking unplug your phone or shut it off and gain, you know, 100 followers and say, oh, or whatever, and then you mute the, the thread, and then... <laughs> anyway, right. Rob, Yo. let's hear your hot take. Um... It's fine for games with blatant racism in them to exist. <laughs> <laughs> this is like... Um... Sort so, of like a thing where people, um, how am I trying to say this? People sort of lose their shit <laughs> against, um, they get, they think, for example, that like this, this so-called woke mob is, is going to come down on everything that, that has blatant racism in it. And, and I think like, it's unclear and that's how hot takes go but like it's one thing to say that to be racist in your game you know intentionally or unintentionally and then it's another thing to have a game that struggles or deals with racism in in play or whatever right and so from the hot take you can't like say which of those it is and i think one is good and one isn't or one's okay and one isn't yeah, the the difference is also like blatant racism, like all orcs are evil, or blatant racism, like like Fuck a real knows. world group is evil. Like there's, oh, yeah. and I know a lot of people like uh like conflate the two and you know say well one is representative of another group, but I I'd also say that That's if racist. you're making a game. If, if if you're making a game and you want to have a like you know a race that is evil like you if you want orcs to be evil the 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 real way to frame that is to say orcs are evil to the average citizen of this world cuz orcs obviously aren't evil to themselves they're not they're not sitting there being like hmm how can i be evil today i am an evil orc like that's that's not how they think. Like an orc would think they they are doing a good job and are following whatever culture principle or culture principles, uh, deities, whatever they follow. Um, hmm. And um, I disagree with that. I, just, I because I think I think in high fantasy the orcs are doing precisely that, sitting there going, "How can I be evil today?" Depends on on the source of fantasy, but you are right. Like, the, the fantasy, like when it's the most fantastic fantasy, right? When it's like, mm -hmm. they're getting yeah, yes, the dude is literally a mustache twirling villain, going like, "I love evil." Mm. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, this sounds more like I, goblins to me than orcs. <laughs> it's, it's fair. I mean, that's fair too. But then, Pathfinder goblins aren't necessarily all evil. So, yeah. 
the like what I'm saying is that like like in uh, if you take like the Warcraft like mythos in general, not World of Warcraft necessarily, but just in like Warcraft three specifically, like it's showing that the orcs aren't aren't evil. They're just they were at one point controlled by an evil being, but then that being probably also didn't think themselves as evil, although they they Dang. were like Rob said, the mustache twirling villain. So that's. Uh, you go down mm-hmm. any kind of path, and that's and that's what it is. There is the argument on the Warcraft one that they chose to be corrupted they twice. Did. Like, even after they knew what that caused in people, they chose to do it a second time. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Anyway, that was that's a that's a good that's a good hot take, Rob. Thank you. I appreciate Jonathan's response. <laughs> because I was I was being intentionally vague. E. Hmm. I'm trying to remember a hot take, so Oh like I yeah. said, I lost my list, so Okay, Okay, I I can throw one in. Power gaming is a reasonable form of enjoyment. Agree. I so hard disagree, but only (laughs) under certain circumstances. (laughs) I I think it's a reasonable point of enjoyment if everyone in the group is on the same page. Yeah, it's just not for everyone. But I, I do think that as a form of enjoyment, that if everybody enjoys that, and they all want to do power gaming as the type of game that they want to play, then by all means, totally fine. To me, that's fine. I, 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 I disagree only like if the one power gamer is in a group of p- people brand new to D and D, and like this guy just comes in, you know, swinging his axe, being like, "Hey, check it out," and then uh-huh. just like one shots the boss. Uh huh. There are some people that, for their first game, they would see that and they'd be like, that was so cool, I want to do that too, show me. I don't think that power gaming exists in a bad way. <laughs> like, so I think that there was maybe a time, but like, if you take like D&D and so whatever, even if you like drop everyone in at level five, even the so-called power gamer can't over optimize so much as to even be close to like one and a half times quote more powerful than the next character which like, edition are we talking about i've, I've seen but, it I, i'm just saying generally as we come here like there are like power classes but like two characters would always be better than one right in any battle like it's just sort of like i don't know i i guess i'm saying like yeah go ahead and do it it's you you might get more damage throughout a fight but it's like you can't do it on your own it doesn't really matter i've i have seen some in previous editions like 3.5 i have seen like somebody play a character that just basically invalidated everybody else combined like that that has happened and there's there are some systems which are more of an issue for it. Like, I think the hero system is 
one of the ones that's a problem with that? I don't remember if it was Heroes. It was one of the superhero ones, though, that had, like, a point-by system for making your superpowers. And if you have system... It might be champions then. Yeah, there were there were ways to there were ways to crack champions open. Yeah, yeah. But he drop that okay. into like, um, I I can't believe I almost said the real life, but <laughs> drop it into like comic books, right? And like put Superman and Spider Man together. Like, of course, a comic book can make them theoretically fight each other equally, but but it's bullshit. Like, Superman is clearly OP, right? Like. Yeah. But the the idea that they you know couldn't or wouldn't work together. This is like even like all of um, uh, the Avengers. Like it's just like there's no equality there, but they all you know have spotlight. So go for it, power gamers. Go for it. IMO. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go make the Avengers. Point of a game you, is that, to have fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you're having fun with the game, even if other people would be horrified at what you're having fun doing, doesn't matter. It's a game. It's not real. Have fun doing it no matter what it is. Even if it's the kind of thing that would totally make other people be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Doesn't matter. They're not playing the game. You play the game, have fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, I gotta beat myself. All right, I'll be back. Uh, I got one. Uh, picking up, uh, doing random pickup games at like, for example, a comic book shop, Mm -hmm. uh, is one of the worst experiences in the world as a player. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Uh, not in the world. I'm I'm being hyperbolic, obviously, but it's a hot take, John. Don't defend it. I know. I I can I can see it especially in certain areas like some places you might yeah, have oh, fairly okay. high quality players and everybody's relatively good you can just drop into a like a random one shot and it'll probably be fine and then there are some places that this is not the case and it's going to be absolutely awful it might be the worst game that you've experienced and then you might actually develop a liking for it you know like <laughs> stockholm syndrome well, okay well i've never experienced stockholm syndrome in game things but uh having having run games at a comic book store before uh i can definitely say those times were among among the worst but it really gets, for me, it really gets deeply bad with people who you've been pissed off at about something for a long time and been kind of sitting on it. And that only happens with friends. <laughs> and when those when those kind of jump get to the surface because of something else, then it's like uh, those are the real blow up moments. But like the ones that are the the the, the bad times I've had at comic book games. Comic book, comic book games, comic book store games, pickup games. It's always because the adventure was fucking weird. Like, like they gave us like a, a pre-run, like a pre-scripted thing to do that day because it was like you know you got three hours or something. And this can be done in three hours, 
And some of them that I ran for for RPGA were so fucking bizarre. Like there was one that was just like a dungeon full of empty rooms and traps. And like there was no rogue in the pickup group. So like Please this check. game was like the barbarian running into shit and getting healed by the cleric. But <laughs> just like <laughs> Oh, Jonathan got got uh, yoinked for no. work. Hopefully he may rejoin us soon. Unless this is a uh, this is a true yoink. Uh, but uh, we'll see. So um, anyway, but let me let me keep going with the story. This this was like this really exposed to me the weakness of those kind of like those kind of things because it was like oh I, if I had been running you know this 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 group of people through like just an adventure out of my head this would have gone better because mm-hmm. this this thing was such a dark mismatch for who showed up that it it like torpedoed at least at least two people's enjoyment of games like in general I could tell they were mm-hmm. like. You know, even though I was trying to like do the thing and like make this as interesting as possible, not try and hose them with the traps, which is what the dungeon clearly wanted me to do. Like there was there was a room where I shit you not, it was a maze of invisible acid walls. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh if you moved more than five feet into the room, like and it was like an empty room, and somebody went like, Oh, I've moved. 30 feet, right? And I was supposed to deal like 4d6 acid damage for each wall they passed through, which would have been instant death, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, no, okay, so as soon as you deal that one, like you, you, I, you know, roll reflex to uh, snatch your hand back from the, from the acid before it gets through your armor. And so you know, I was doing stuff like that just so that they actually could work around like the traps and maybe not like just like face roll them but dude it was like the the adventure made me work for it in a really unpleasant way (laughs) so yes kind of agree but also not the worst yeah okay okay mine was mostly people related so i'm gonna cut in here because i have a a cutting one pointed at people here (laughs) uh and then i'm going to post the rest and i'm gonna head out but i might join later on my phone if i can cool okie doke totally go through your stuff yeah if you've been designing a game in earnest and you intend to publish but it's taking you longer than the last edition of DD lasted oh. and you still can't see the end of the tunnel it's time to move on Oof. <laughs> If I hadn't, if I hadn't done several burn down rewrites, that would hurt a lot more. But <laughs> since I've started over from scratch several times, I don't feel nearly as bad. Yeah, yeah I was I gonna don't... say starting over from scratch kind of negates that a little mm-hmm. bit, so that helps. I don't feel bad about that at all. Like I can see the end of the tunnel; it's not that far away. Okay, That's good. It's in good fun. We both got both real quick. <laughs> <laughs> And there's the rest for you guys. Just uh-huh. nothing crazy. There, 
I mean, there there is there is something to say about you know someone just they they have a precious project, you know, they have a precious story that they want to tell. Like uh-huh. there there was this book that I wanted to write for so long, and it's just become the idea has become precious to me, and I still want to do it, even though now I know if I ever started, I would hate this story so much. And, but like, but part of me still like, it's like, I got to do it. It's what I wanted to do my whole life. And it's like, no, no, this story sucks. Like, stop. L- knock it off. Okay. Most of these I agree with, though. I do want to say that no flail oh, forward is a D and D podcast pretending to be in D's balls. We'll read it out. We'll read it out. We'll read them out. Cause, cause these are, these are pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, Catrice, Catrice has to do one because that was Jonathan's. But you've been designing a game in earnest and you tend to publish it. But it's okay. Cool. Okay. okay. So, so, to base it off what you were saying, pre made adventures in general are almost universally awful. It's an issue of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because if you do it the standard way where there's like, you assume that there's one wizard and one rogue and one of whatever for, or however the game is set up, then it breaks if you don't have the right combination of players for it. If you plan around letting anybody join and it doesn't have to have a specific group composition, then it ends up being generic. It kind of sucks because the players are irrelevant. There's basically no real way to do a pre-made adventure that isn't going to be mediocre. Yeah, I would would say another kind of minor hot take to branch off of that would be the entire idea of, you know, the RPGA or the Pathfinder Society or whatever D&D calls their 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 system now like that entire idea of just bringing like like a random group of people together to do one dungeon and then give them their experience and like move off like y- y'all should be playing video games instead like really yeah yeah like like go play everquest please like like that that's what you are i feel like that's what those players are wanting other than you know obviously maybe some social interaction with real human beings but Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, an, as a game experience, yeah, I agree. It's a, uh, it's a, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's weird. The, like the hyper focus on the game element at the expense of the camaraderie. Because mm-hmm. no one that, knows each other. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no, like, oh, s- s- dude's falling off a cliff. Well, if I let him fall, I get all the money. Like. All right, screw it. Yeah. Well, we know who's playing the Brog. Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, like in in general, like is I will say that especially as I've gotten older, the 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 portrayal of people wanting to play kind of dick characters has actually increased. Funny enough, hmm. like um, like when I was younger, I felt like everyone wanted to work together and be not dick, but like, but now everyone wants to be kind of like the anti-hero. Mm. Which is a very interesting hmm. kind of thing that's happened as I've gotten older. In like games you've been in more and more. In games I've been in, yeah. Like oh. every everyone wants to make a character and everyone wants to work together, but everyone want, kind of wants to be an anti-hero at the same time. Fascinating. It, it's 
Weird, I have not experienced that as everyone. There's a small I, number yeah. of people that I've run into that this is kind of what they do. Like, they're not playing the game to... I don't... Like, I don't understand the mindset where they, they go into the game trying to piss everybody else off like I, I, why is this a goal for you see i wouldn't take that part that far and I'm, I'm entering territory of defending my position but uh i i wouldn't take it that far i take it to the point of where everyone kind of wants to be like everyone wants to be the jerk rogue who redeems himself later like that is kind of like the 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 big um right archetype that everyone kind of like leans into a lot lately is ever everyone wants to be the asshole who redeems themselves or or wants to be you know the scoundrel with the heart of gold like so wait 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 what you're saying is that my game is perfectly suited to this environment sure <laughs> yes <That's... laughs> your game is entirely yeah. about assholes redeeming themselves yes yeah not necessarily like, assholes but like and it's, it's not necessarily like right away but like that i feel like that's kind of what everyone wants to do or either that or they want to play like a really realistic like rogue type person who's like why do i care about any of you you all suck that's that, not super realistic <laughs> i mean that's i mean there well, are like people if, that are like that in reality but a lot of the time it's like <laughs> i don't okay I'll turn this into a hot take for D&D. The, the chaotic evil alignment, as they have it described in D&D, is completely non-functional. Like, you cannot have these as reasonable villains because they will backstab their own allies just for the sake of doing it to the point that there's no way they can be a threat because okay. they're going to completely destroy any hope of them actually being dangerous longer than hot take short <laughs> no. mm. <laughs> but no i uh no that 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 goes to my point what what you said goes to my point of D being so high fantasy that the villains are actually supposed to be mustache twirling villains like drow society is all about it if we if the fiction is to be believed uh drow society is about getting away with murdering each other. And these are the people that only breed like once every hundred years, right? So it's, it's a, it's, it, yeah, it, it, yes, on its face, it makes no sense. I totally agree with you. That's the, <laughs> not the point. The, the, <laughs> totally not the point of D&D. And if, like, if you're trying to make D&D make sense, it's like, it's, what, like, no, that's not what it's doing. I it's, it's trying to do something else. It's trying to say, like, no, there's evil in the world, manifest in a thing, and it, you can stab it. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. You can stab the evil. That's, that's the point of the I will say, though, that in Drow Society, the point is to kill the person, is to murder each other, but without any suspicion whatsoever that it was you. Right. Yes. Like, even if it takes 100 years and for you to, have, quote, unquote, like, like, you know, buried any rivalries. Like, if you do it in 100 years, you won. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Something but... about that, that I would say sort of a hot take. Like, not just drow, but elves in general are usually done very poorly by most games. Like, regardless of setting. Like, they almost never 
like they almost always have the immortality thing, but they almost never actually take advantage of it. Ah, like, yes. It is almost never a case of like, I'm going to live for like 5,000 years. You're human. You'll die in 60. I can wait. Right. Well, that's because games don't have time scales like that 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 are relevant. So, yeah, that's true. And with the Drow Society thing, like, like no, no players role playing over the course of a thousand years. Like, that's that's just way too much. Yeah, it doesn't happen. I mean, you could make it happen, but that would be that would be like the the, if you if if you designed a game around being an elf, and that was a thing you could do, like every session was a hundred years, then ah. Maybe that, that might be interesting. Like, if you meet a human and you know they're going to be dead by the end of the session. So you go, nah, I don't care. I, I would actually make you feel like an elf. I've sort of oh. seen this happen, just not in that particular way. Like, I've had, like, a group of friends that did several different, like, games, at, like, changing between genres and such at whatever time. But they're all set within the same universe. So different time frames. So one might be sort of film noir, one might be more futuristic, one might be medieval, but it's all in the same same setting. And I have seen people play characters through all of the different games where it's like the same character in different such different time frames. More. I don't. I don't. What? I'm not sure how that. What is that? I don't follow how that attaches. What do you mean? Okay. So, so like, I've seen like a character that no, during. I, I... Okay. okay. I'm not sure what part you're confused on because I'm just getting like I I, I don't what but what but uh, what is always... what what. <laughs> okay, let's draw it. Forget it. One of the worst. What was Jonathan's thing? Let's come and go to point out. Where you going? I do like the second one. Flail Forward is a and D podcast pretending to be indie. Sure. Okay, it I can see that. It hurts, but sure. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. Like. I... In opposition, we exist in opposition to D and D as 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 a general sort of, I, but... You you could word it in a way that Flail Forward is a podcast about D and D. No, it, it, I wouldn't say it's a D and D podcast. It's a podcast about D and D and why it sucks. No, <laughs> I don't even think so. Like, yeah, we bring it up fairly often because. Massive market share, but we still cover like mostly other games that are not D and D, and aren't even based on D and D. It's uh, it it would be like a computer podcast, not talking about Windows. (laughs) Yeah, it's like like it's like I mean, to me, I mean, you could you could have like a Mac specific podcast, right? You could have like we're just going to talk about Mac stuff, and that's it, and we're going to ignore. Well, whatever else is happening. That's totally no, I, I would say this is much more closely related to like 
a Linux podcast where it's like, okay, there's these people, they're, they're working on this new program for Linux and it's going to do this thing that uh, they do in Windows, but we're going to do a better job of it and they'll actually fix like a lot of problems that we have in Linux right now. I, I, I can assure you just having myself waist deep in the Linux sphere quite a bit that if there, if there would be a podcast about Linux, they probably would never bring up windows at all ever. <laughs> Cause uh, like the people that I work with, like <laughs> I work for a company that's, that's 99.99% Linux. The people that I work for and work with um, do their damnedest to do everything on Linux, if at all possible. Like, they don't even talk about Windows or getting it to work on Windows. They're just like, yeah, I got my Linux set up to do this. Like, you could get that set up on Windows better. Yeah, but I don't use Windows. And that's that's the end of the conversation. There is an issue with that, though. Like, for example, like, Linux tech tips tried to show if it's possible to do video game streaming purely on Linux. And what they found as they were going through it is there's a lot of problems because it's clearly made by people that are, that have only run Linux for years now. Like these are clunky, unintuitive barely functional programs that you basically need to be a programmer to to get to work and it's like yeah technically it can work but they're so far removed from you know like what the modern uh windows gamer is used to that they don't even have things like a graphical user interface for some of these programs it's like entirely setting up everything through text commands. And it's like, they made a good point that if you need to basically be the equivalent of a developer to use this, then it's not for everybody, no matter how much you say it is. Linux. I mean, here's my hot take on Linux. Linux is the best operating system to use at home that I will never use at home. I'd like to use it. It, I actually would like to use it. I, I like the concept of it. It, it is completely incompatible with several programs that I need to use. Correct. So, and I mean that's that's usually the case. Is yeah, for the average person, they could probably get away with it because they're probably not using those specialized programs. But for the average person, it's far too complicated for them. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I mean, oh, to bring man. it back to tabletop games... Many, probably a very large chunk of indie games are either too brain dead simple to bother with, or they're so clunky and complicated that they're not worth the effort. Hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I personally would not play. Uh, uh, what's the name of the game? I have the book right here. Uh, I I probably would not play White Box. Like, mm-hmm. it's super simple. It's an OSR game. OSR is, you know, almost mm-hmm. all those systems are are easy to do, easy to pick up, and easy to run with. Uh. I would probably never run a game because it doesn't have enough chunkiness to it that I desire. And if a game had significantly more chunkiness, I wouldn't run that because I, as a GM, um, my reading comprehension and my ability to just retain rules in my head is limited. So, I, as a GM, I do a balance of both and and it's rough it's it's interesting trying to choose a game like especially if you're like i want to play a game what do i do right not shadowrun yeah not shadowrun that is that is not the game that you run um you do not do that i don't agree that you're an average person jonathan yeah i i agree jonathan uh linux as an average person um, anyone can use it. Anyone can use Ubuntu. I am currently technically also working at the same time as, as, as talking to you all, and I am looking at an Ubuntu um, build right now on my work computer, and it's it's fantastic. It works wonderful. I am not going to run it at home. When I come home from work, I do not want to fight my computer to get things done, but that's a different story. I, I uh, have a Windows machine, and I routinely fight my computer to get shit. Although I don't fight the computer so much as I fight apps that are trying to talk to each other through the cloud is usually where my fights are. But I think that would happen with Linux anyway. Or maybe that part's easy with Linux, and actually getting the drivers to talk to your hardware is the tough part. It but, is yeah, just as difficult in Linux, but probably in a different way. Hey, you. All right, let's see. What other hot takes are there? Um, Jonathan still has more if we want to go back to some. Um, oh. Dungeon Crawls uh, are boring. There you go. I say what? Dungeon Crawls are boring. Um, I Actually, my hot take was very similar. I was going to say uh, a lot of people really just want to play Wrath of a Shardlon, the board game. A lot of people just want to play a Dungeon Crawl. You know, strangely enough, I have only actually ever done one dungeon crawl, and it was relatively recently. Hmm. Uh, board game or RPG? I guess RPG. both, technically. RPG? So, like, I had been playing for many, many, many years, and I've only done, like, a dungeon crawl, finally, like, within the last two years. I'd never done one before that. And I didn't find it was that bad. I kind of enjoyed it. It was a little lacking in some ways, but I admittedly, I had a pretty good GM, so I think that's probably why it wasn't bad. Hmm. Yeah, I, I actually the the one time I did a genuine dungeon crawl, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, that said, like I think 
I think playing a game of like Shadows of Brimstone or Gloomhaven or something would probably just be a better choice to do a dungeon crawl. Yeah. Um, like, unless you want to add like intrigue and like, you know, you know, social skills and roles and, and stuff like that, like, even those games can have them in limited fashion, but like, there, there's something about a dungeon crawl that can just be distilled down and more and better done with a board game. Um, probably yeah. but I think the reason I enjoyed it was because it wasn't just here's monsters kill monsters I ended up converting half the the dungeon's monsters to to my own personal army well then you weren't playing a dungeon crawl basically you were letting the GM was letting was letting you do stuff in a dungeon but you weren't playing a dungeon crawl because a dungeon crawl is is basically you can't negotiate with stuff, more or less. Like it is very board gamey in that way. Like maybe there's some negotiation, but uh, by and large there will be a lot of threats that you can't that doesn't work on, just de facto. So yeah. Yeah. I like I said, it was probably the GM allowing for a lot of stuff by convincing guards that, well, we've already, you know, taken the thing that you're supposed to be guarding. We've killed your commanding officer. There's no real reason for you to be here, and you were treated pretty poorly anyway. We will actually pay you. Like real money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that actually works on people. So, like, you know, <laughs> that's that's a reasonable thing to say. And then the guards go, well, I mean, that that does sound better. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, I mean, that, that, but that's, that's not what happens in dungeon crawls. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What happens in dungeon crawls is those things will fight until they either run or you kill them all. And very... Yeah. very that does sound kind of dumb. Yeah. I mean, again, that basically just sounds like what Monty was saying is you want to play a video game, just play a video game. Uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's fun to play a board game like that. With people. I think Descent's actually a really good example. Uh, I'm not, I, I haven't played this, this newer one that is like entirely app-based. That looks kind of weird to me. The, uh, the new one's fun. Um, okay. Only, only played just like the beginning thing. Haven't sat through. Watched a few videos, but like the whole like randomization of everything, kind of really helps mm. bring a little bit of the board gaminess, um, for lack of a better term, to life. Um, it's it's not just like an on rails like you versus the GM. Like it's it's you versus the game, and you're trying to you know genuinely crawl through this dungeon. It, honestly, it's a video game. But it's on your table, and it's a little bit more social. But it's a video game, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a video game. It's right. a video game with the with you know the game telling you where to move its piece. You know, it's it's like those old chess games in which the computer just spit out like where where to move the piece, and you moved right. it on a board. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, uh, that's kind of cool. I mean, I, I, the the second edition was the last one I played, and that was 
that was pretty good. It actually had a decent story. You know, there was like a, the campaign mode was pretty cool. It had some A B choices that that had some effects in the, mm-hmm. you know, throughout. So, and there was it was the the goals were differentiated nicely as well. Like it wasn't always just kill everything. Sometimes it was go and you know try and flip over five tokens or something like that. Or yeah, you know. my my problem with with um. You know, Descent and actually Imperial Assault, which was the Star Wars version, which I thought was better version than mm-hmm. Descent 2.0, yeah. was um, the my problem with both of those is that uh, it's supposed to be played adversarial with against the GM, and the GM's best way to take out the players is to focus one player down and kill them, eliminate them from the game, and yeah. do that to the next player and do that to the next player. There is there like. It's meant to be played adversarial, which sucks because, you know, in a standard D&D game, you know, a GM who tries to win is a terrible GM. Yep. <laughs> so, um, like, really? it's... It, you have the power of God, like the GM is God, and oh, wait, that means you're literally God-moding the entire time? Yeah. How is that not fun? Constrained, though. That's the thing. So, like in, like, in Descent, you are constrained, although it does feel weird. I, it, I completely agree. It it feels weird, and and like I said, the best way to to win yeah. as the as the GM is to basically make what one person have a bad time. Yeah, yeah. like straight from the get go, be like, hey, you, all the monsters are attacking your character. Yeah. What? Why? Because yeah. if I kill you, then it makes it easier to kill everyone else later. Yep. And yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I I completely agree. And even as even when GMing those things, I would. I, hmm, let me think about that for one second. There were there were games of Descent Second Edition that I played with Mel, where I felt like I had to pull punches, and then there were games of Descent where it felt like I was it was like I really needed to work for it. Mm-hmm. That's to do something, and that felt yeah. good. Like the really like needing to work for it, like felt cool. Yeah, uh, that, that's also another thing is each each scenario usually has a bias towards one side or the other. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. But but it, but descent also had this. So the campaign version had this thing where like you could lose, and uh, there would still be there would be a consequence, but it would still would you wouldn't like it wouldn't be that bad. So yeah. there was some soft landing there, which I thought because mm-hmm. like descent, like first edition descent was like just straight up dungeon crawl, where you were just pounding. You know, the whole goal was to not let the players get to the end of the dungeon. Yeah, and descent second edition nicely made it so that uh, you know stopping the players meant mm-hmm. something not happening in a certain amount of time or. You know, they do something else, but like killing them was generally not the GM's goal, which I thought was pretty nice. They they felt they did a good job with that. That was that led to a lot of. I was happy I, because we we played we we actually got to play that a bunch of times. We got to play through a whole campaign, and, and that doesn't often happen with those kinds of games. So, mm-hmm. I I'd say though that like in a larger group in which you know there's there's one person versus four players, it yeah. it becomes. It's it's still the same, but it becomes a little bit different because if the GM wins, the GM gets a bonus, and the players still get kind of a minor bonus. But like if if one side or the other wins too much, 
it starts it begins the snowball effect like throughout the rest of the campaign where where the other side constantly feels like they're just you know hammering against this like brick wall trying to get through huh um, okay. yeah. like you still get stuff for losing like you still are there but like it just slowly and slowly gets harder and harder and harder as the session goes on if one side or the other uh is is dominating Okay, I yeah. think I have a good hot take. Okay. Is it short? Yes. <laughs> I I have an extended explanation for it if we get into it, but the hot take itself is just dice are the equivalent of cutscenes in video games. Interesting take. Because hmm. yeah. that's that's kind of the opposite of what of what a standard video game would have where where the actual mechanic of like getting through the game is the player is is the players doing stuff and then the cutscenes are are the story whereas in an RPG the story is you know what's going on and then the dice rolling is the doing stuff. Yeah it is kind of reversed in that way, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry if I mixed up my my metaphors there, but No, it's fine. Like it, it's still an interesting way to put it, but the main way I meant it is that like the cutscenes and the dice are points where the player has no real input that meaningfully changes the game. Like you're basically just watching it play itself. In video games they base they had like a period for a couple years where it was like Every game was like just a deluge of cutscenes, like cutscene after cutscene after cutscene. There's like very little actual gameplay. Like some games didn't actually have gameplay. It was just a bunch of cutscenes spliced together. And it's like, this is called television. You are watching it play itself. You are not actually changing anything. This is not gameplay. And the dice are the same thing, but tabletop role-playing games never seem to grow out of that phase like for some reason like the players still feel like they are having an impact on what's going on because they're rolling the dice and it's like you're not in most games rolling the dice it's your turn or your actions are being automated it is the same as a cutscene. You are watching things happen. You may be physically rolling the dice, and that part feels good, but you're not actually playing the game. You're watching the game play itself. I can definitely see that. Yeah, it's... I mean, here I am, you know, been playing Final Fantasy XIV for the past week, you know, just for, just to get through the main story. And uh, I look forward to the cutscenes, which is, which is not usually something that happens in a video game. No, there's, there's a really good... I actually enjoyed that. I mean, it is 
a little weird that you're like the one competent person on the entire planet. So competent. But yeah, no, I compared to everyone else. Like, I'm sorry, but the rest of the people on in Final Fantasy fourteen, other than your character, I seriously question how it's possible for them to, you know, breathe. <laughs> uh, it 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 gets better later, but but yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a good hot take, good. Nice, spicy take. You can always go back to one of John's, though. Because I am... I Can am blanking. Hot takes. Okay, let's go with Jonathan's, then. Like, lack of a well-defined, intriguing setting is the biggest reason a new game won't get no love. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I as much as I love, you know, Fate and Savage Worlds, uh, just it's always hard for me to run them because there's no, there's no background there to kind of instinctively build on, or not instinctively, but there's no, no background there to like, to build a world up- upon. Like I have to have my own world myself, and that is a that is a chore. It's not a chore. It's fun to do, but it's like you know that's that it takes that time. is that is, yeah it takes time. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of GMs that like to make their own settings, mm-hmm. which is which is great. But it helps if they have something to build upon. That's why I tried to make mine both cater which to is both, fun. which is hard to do. It's funny because I also gave two examples that kind of counter his point, but because uh, mm-hmm. I do love those systems and I will use them, but but I will I will most likely. You choose, yeah, uh, yeah. I will choose something like D and D because at least it has something, and all the players have something that they can immediately oh, like God. expect. Right. Yeah. There's an expectation built in. It's really it's tricky with the with settings in particular because, uh, and, and what John is saying here is lack of a well defined intriguing setting. So not lack of a setting, but well lack of a well defined intriguing setting where there's something to do and there's curiosity about it. Uh, yeah, I'd say um, there's a lot of games that I've read lately that are, ha- are have mechanics but are otherwise settingless. And they're, they, their settings are implied through the mechanics, but they're not well-defined or intriguing. And I, they're not, they don't invite that, the level of exploration that something like, uh, I don't know, like, let's say there's the world of Shadowrun. uh, Or world of darkness in general. Sure. Like, Uh, mediocre mechanics, but it, that's not the reason people were interested in it. It's because like the first half of most of their source books are like just story setting. There's yeah. no mechanics for like eighty pages in on some of them. Yeah, that's 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 not that is pretty accurate. Yeah, like usually 
character creation is a solid 40 pages in, like, at least. And that's good. That's what, you know, that, that, that they're aiming at that. And so that's what they should do. But, uh, uh, yeah. you know, it's for, for games that lack that, for, I've seen games that are like, it's steampunk D&D. And then that's like, that's it. Like, it's. That's not like, enough. When, yeah, when I went to um, Gen Con this year, like I, I got roped into the guy was a good salesman at the same time too, but uh, I didn't buy it because holy shit, six hundred dollars is a lot. But like this guy started like, you know, he opened up this you know thick you know fucking mm-hmm. War and Peace style tome of like just the setting that he had built. He's like he's like he like here I have this setting and here's all the races here's like all the abilities that they can do and here's this and here's this and he just goes in and, and then he's like on top of that and he just starts pulling out books map books uh little cardboard cutouts in case you want to use like them on a tabletop like he just starts pulling all this stuff out and he like eventually there's this you know three foot high stack of books and reading material and i'm like super intrigued because also his world sounded really cool and i was like mm-hmm. oh what system is this and he's like oh it's it's based off on on the uh, fifth edition uh system <laughs> and i'm like I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's really cool, and I really like how your world sounds. Um, I one don't have you know four to six hundred dollars, and two, yeah. um, th- this also would put my 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 luggage over fifty pounds, so I couldn't take it home with me on the plane without paying a premium. Because yeah. fuck you, Spirit Airlines. And, yeah, true. Um, but like the the. The idea, the idea that he could just tell me about it and start showing me all the stuff, like, and maybe it was just the stuff, like the physical like, material that super got me interested in it as well. Like, here's how much you get for all this, and I'm like, whoa. But um, at the same time, like, it sounded genuinely good, and I'm like, I'm like, man, if you just, if you had like a friend who was good at mechanics or something like that, and just like like took this to your own system, like that would be fantastic. See. I think we can also branch off with that as another hot take is that players love all of the shiny things that come with the game other than the game itself. So like they like the maps, they like the dice, they like the miniatures, they like the uh, 3D terrain, they love everything imaginable except the game itself. Like that is like the one thing they, they will skimp on actually paying for it. Like they will pay hundreds, sometimes thousands. Like I know a friend literally today, they bought five new sets of specialized dice. Almost all of the games that they have are PDF that they downloaded for free. <laughs> you, you, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Wow. Thanks. So to branch that hot take out a little bit further, if you're looking to make money, don't work on the game. Work on the peripherals for the games because that's where all the money is. Yes. And then you have to get started where it's just t-shirts and other and beer cozies and weird shit. I've seen that. That's awful. Don't do that. As I mean, a, do it, but who cares? Like, do you at, know, work for you, great. As a general aside, like, like other than D and D, and other than you know some stuff like Shadowrun, 
that like sells and stuff like that. Does does anyone releasing on Kickstarter actually make a significant amount of money? Like just yeah. General question, like Thank like you. as as an individual, like are you all of a sudden you know, you know flush with a ton of cash and you're like hooray I made it big? Uh, there are uh, not individuals, but there are teams that are doing really well. So, okay. Yeah, I mean like the app Avatar, oh, that was a small, or relatively small team, uh, and they are that did really they they did so well that they are causing cardboard shortages. Hmm. I mean, so Avatar in itself is is kind of a special that's example because that's right? a, that's a yeah. beloved IP. Yeah, exactly. That, but that 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 just goes to that goes to uh, the, the hot take, John's point, which is the the well defined intriguing setting, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's got that stuff in it, and it's got a lot of like space to play in it as well, since it follows you know some characters in a much bigger world so there's there's enough there that people can hook into so um yeah i, I it uh, there you go but yeah, yeah. People are it it's a thing and especially now like the p like because because supply chain issues are a thing like more people are just doing straight pdfs or stls and those are doing fairly well because you actually get them in a reasonable time for inch so yeah it it is odd though, like people usually prefer, again, they prefer like the physical stuff in Kickstarters usually. Like usually it's, they want the miniature or the hand, like the printed copy or something like that. That That's the things that they really like. Because personalized stuff, they also tend to like. I tend to get the books myself. I'm I'm a book guy. I tend to get like one copy of the hardcover, and that's pretty much it. If I yeah. get peripherals, it's usually because like there was a really sick deal on the if 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 like the special leather at leatherette cover edition is that if that's cute, then I might spring for that. And if they throw in a bunch of stuff, then I get that stuff. But generally speaking, I'll get the hardcover, and, and that's it. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really a peripherals dude anymore. I used to be for sure. Yeah, I used to all the peripherals, but uh, yeah. As I look behind me at all my Kickstarter board games that I have to put away. Yeah. Ugh, yeah shudder. I just, I just, the second Joan, Joan of Arc stuff so, showed up, like the Teutonic Knights and the, the like storage box. Like I was just like, oh shit, I forgot I ordered this. You know, two years, jeez, how long ago? Three years ago? Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. What else? Uh, Apocalypse World's mechanics are boring. I mean, I'm talking about the dice rolling. The uh, yeah, the the plus ten plus six minus. That yep. thing. Um. Yes, but. I also say that most other games' the mechanics are boring too. The thing is, is if you make the game, game mechanics too spicy, too too exciting, it usually slows down the game. Agreed. So, yeah, don't disagree. They they yeah. have a nice nice balance. I, I well, they have a balance. I'm not sure if it's a nice balance, but no, I think it's relatively good for the type of player that they're aiming for. Mm-hmm. 
Like there is definitely a different type of player that likes Park by the Apocalypse games compared to other games. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've said on this podcast m- many times that my favorite mechanic system is Genesis. And I understand that that slows the game down tremendously. <laughs> um, uh, that said, like uh, there, there is, there's a very good philosophy of keep it simple, stupid. And uh, as Jonathan says, or says it's it's usually about the moves and not about the actual die, dice rolling itself. Yep. Uh, for Apocalypse World, um, but, um, well, but yeah, the, yeah there's the there's only so many ways you can spice up rolling a bunch of you know three D objects to roll on a face that you want it to face. Well, the point is that the rolling is really just. Uh, a way to determine what happens when you're not sure what happens. Yep. And they set it up in such a way that it usually creates something interesting as a result. Which is kind of what you want from that situation. If you're going to have to, if you're like, I don't know what happens, it's like, okay, then it must be something interesting. Yeah. If it's not, then why are we exploring it? Yeah. I, I was about to ask a question that I'm, but I'm fairly certain that it actually exists in some fashion. But I was going to ask: Does anyone have a dexterity-based mechanic for solving stuff? And the Jenga one is one. Yeah, dread. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, physical dexterity. Yeah. The the. Oh, there's I know there's run. some games in which you have like a map and you're trying to roll your die close to a certain point on the map or mat, rather. Uh, I- what the heck was that noise? <laughs> yeah, so, so okay, you're about to mention this. Okay, so Kat found this game, this Russian game, where the dice rolling mechanics are like so specific about that they go in this little box, and you are allowed to punch the person if they fall out of the box, like uh, three times or something like that. If they fall out three times, then you can like the GM is permitted to strike the player, like it's. It is so. It is so weird. I didn't believe her, but like, no, it it did. She. I hope you still have PDFs somewhere where, because that thing was bananas. That was like one of the craziest things I've seen in an RPG, and I've. I've That's I've, the most I've, Russian sounding thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, somebody who was clearly like severely autistic or something, and had like a huge emphasis on every die roll has to be perfectly random like you can't screw with it like oh if you just hold the dice straight up above the board barely above it and you just let go of it so it falls straight down it might land on a specific number or have a higher chance of it and it's like no we can't have that so you have to roll it on this patented box that he made so it has to touch the bottom of the box and then bounce off of one of the walls if it doesn't do that, then you have to re-roll. If you drop the dice on the ground, if you touch the dice while they're rolling, if you did like in like it was just a long list, like two pages, just literally filled with how to roll the dice properly. Because he was completely obsessed with the idea of people cheating. We are assuming this person's gender. 
But fair. Um, I'm pretty sure that it said in it it was the guy that made it. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty certain it was. Yeah, I, think, I think you're right. It was. Uh, it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it would be surprising to me. Or it otherwise. I mean, but, but, but geez, man, yeah, being that obsessed about like, so, so yeah, clearly this is a person that is uh, having having difficulties in their gaming group with people hurling dice all over the place. Yeah, or it, it could literally be just like I said. It might not even be that they're cheating. It might just be somebody who is extremely far and deep into the autistic spectrum where if anything is not organized and handled a very specific way, it just starts bothering them to no end. I mean, like if you want truly randomized roles, like, like, I mean, I mean, I've been in a situation in which someone's rolled a D six and did that kind of like stupid little hand flip and it landed on exactly the same size that it did. Cause you could watch the die go up in the air and drop straight down. Uh -huh. And just be like, oh yeah, you didn't actually roll that. I just literally just like flipped it into the air for a sec. Um, but like, like if you if you were truly just wanting to um, have randomization, like use a computer. Like, like you can you can package your game with you know a really simple circuit that just gets you a random number. And before anyone argues that those numbers aren't really random, shut up. To you as a human being, they're effectively random, and they're random enough. <laughs> they are random. They are based upon some crazy time code that you can't possibly predict as a human being. Right? Oh, that you can't possibly predict. However, I have seen like a lot of very poorly coded RNG where like it'll get like very tight groupings on a regular basis. The, like while while yeah like an individual can program a lot of very badly programmed rng like there's so many libraries out there right now that if you had that like you can just there's not know, a good excuse for yeah, it anymore. there's no excuse for it like, like it unless you're some unless you're some cs major who just has a hard on for trying to r r do everything from scratch in their game at once um just just yeah there's there's no excuse for for doing that but that's also that's also if RNG truly bothers you that much. If it truly bothers you that much, then then I don't know. Either deal with oh, it or you know a, talk to a, someone about about your issues because you need to you know voice them and work through them. Obviously. Okay. 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 Some yeah. hot take that's that is going to piss off a lot of designers. Okay. Sure. Can't explain it. Can't explain it. I know the you keep the 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 bell curve of your dice mechanic does not matter. People people going to get mad at that one. Oh yeah. I, no, but I let's, let's let's you can you can mimic any other dice with percentiles. Mm hmm. And that's that's true, <laughs> and it's weird. Because it doesn't feel no, it's, it's when not weird, it's that like but there it in is. In the end, it doesn't matter what your bell curve is, it's that 
it's still there is a percentage chance to get any given specific number. I I will say that part of me misses the original premise of Ashes, which was to use as many of your weird dice as you possibly could. Uh, I missed that. It's going back in. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's back in now. You start with d6s, but I slowly, but I ramp you up. Okay. I I I just like the idea necessarily. Like it doesn't it. It's 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 a it's a silly thing, but like to me, I was like, oh yeah, like 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 doing that was kind of neat. Like having like weird, you know. I, I don't I don't think you ever got to using like a D seven or anything crazy like that, but no, but I, there there were the, the way the way I used to do it was just by um it was it was pretty it was pretty close to like the way Savage World does it where I, we just had different dice for to, that represented uh skill level and so you know you were having four guys roll at the same time so you just roll you know like if you're rolling their their attack then you're rolling a D six. A D6, a D8, and a D10, maybe, because you have like two wizards, a rogue, and a fighter. That's a total, that's not how it, that's not what they were called, but good enough representation. Um, yeah, and that's kind of, that's kind of there again, only what those dice, those dice mean different things. So it's like you're still building a dice pool and you can still use, uh, different dice sizes but they represent something else now so it's like um most of your mundane stuff is like d6s and then uh sort of your the dark side the dark wherever you you derive strength from in like your hidden talents which is kind of like the shadow stuff but that's those so those can be d8s and um the uh dice that you get for uh, messing with fate or d10s, but those are accessible from the basically from the start. Uh, and then d12s are added when you sort of figure out like what it's it's a result of advancement, basically. So, so I just in the time that you're talking, I came up with a way to roll a d7, which bothers me because it would actually work consistently. Okay. It was very simple. It was one d twenty divided by three, but because that's only twenty, not twenty one, you would also roll another one d twenty, and the second one is only valid if it matches the first one. So five percent chance. In which case, that counts as twenty one. No, but then you'd have a much lower chance of rolling a seven. No, you wouldn't. You rolled in. Are you? No, because nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one would all be. So imagine the money you can make if, but just just by selling a D seven. I mean, they exist. I'm not pretty certain. Just me. You'll be rich. Classics uh, DCC uses the D seven. Don't they? They they use like that the extended set, which is like the D six like D three, five, seven, I wanna say eleven, sixteen, twenty-four, and thirty. Wasn't that just uh, done as a joke? No. No, that's real. That's a real like D, there's a D thirty and a D twenty four in there for sure. I mean uh, I, I have a D thirty in my dice bag. I don't know where I got it, but yeah. I think you gave it to me actually. Um, 
I, I I don't know. I have no idea what to use it for because it's you know it's this big ball looking die. Yeah. I I don't okay. I don't know if you gave it to me, but I. Um, it's a very. Yeah, I mean, you could have weird dice. Um, that's th- that's a hot take. I like weird dice. Hmm. Mm. Weird I mean, dice. I, I like Genesis, so you know, take it with. I say weird what? Dice. Weird dice makes your game better. <laughs> it, weird it, dice makes your game better. It at least adds an in- interesting element to it, but I'm not like. But yeah, just. Just having numbers is kind of boring. No, I would, I would, I submit, I submit that uh, that having weird dice would make Apocalypse World better. Oh yeah, I, I could see that. Just, and I, no, no statement other than that. I'm not saying how to implement it, but I, I think uh, having non D6, and I understand why they have D6s. There's, there's really good reasons because they're the most ubiquitous type, right? So if they're they're completely accessible. Like you can go to a Seven Eleven, right? Any Seven Eleven. Uh, and buy a game of Yahtzee. Buy a game of Yahtzee. I mean, that I think Seven Elevens are easier to come by. Like, so I feel like there's a really good reason to use D6s in your games because, yeah, they are super accessible, and that is the reason that I start Ashes with D6s. Um, although I do also request that people have D10s, so it's not really like I'm not I'm defying my own principle, but like you know that's okay. Uh, that's just the game. The game is 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 defying its own principles, and that's that's all right. I suppose. I don't know. Is that okay? The game, like, here's a bunch of principles this game should abide by, and then it's like, yeah, no. It's weird. Maybe that's what I mean. D and D is like that. <laughs> it's about heroic adventure, is it, or is it about like murdering shit and? And getting better at that. I don't know. Sometimes it's both. Let's see. Initiative as a mechanic is stupid. That's Jonathan's. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just truth. Mm. Hmm. Then again, maybe that's a hot take that I share. I I think that might be a hot take you share because while I don't one hundred percent disagree with the sentiment, because it 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 would be better if everyone just took their turn as they saw fit, as it made sense in the story. Sometimes, especially with newer players, letting them know when they can do something is beneficial because. Like like playing a game with with new players can especially with new players can get kind of tricky because everyone's you know very unsure about what they can do very unsure about like like oh what am I allowed to do like I can do anything like but but to them like that's that, that's overwhelming like it's it's like me playing Skyrim like you can send me out into Skyrim and I can I can go and do whatever I want but I eventually get overwhelmed because eventually that's too much that's too much freedom darn it sometimes. And like sometimes I just am like I I'm gonna play something simpler than Skyrim. Actually, I think I'd like to clarify further. Like initiative itself is not stupid, but rolling for initiative, there is no 
there's like no real argument for why you would roll for initiative. Uh, like you can come with reasons for why initiative might be good or might be bad. It's in different situations, but there is no situation where rolling for initiative is better than not rolling for it. Well, then at that point is initiative, you know, you know, player or a GM fiat. Like in Apocalypse World, the the monsters don't directly attack. It's all based upon the die that the player rolls. But in other games, the monster has direct actions and, and direct, you know, turns. So it's like, does the GM just say when everyone goes or do the players get to discuss who, who of them goes first and then the GM discusses who goes first? Like, Right. You know, or there's some there's some there's some kind of resolution mechanic where, like in fate, right? It's somebody whoever initiates the conflict, for example, where initiative matters, goes first, unless somebody has an aspect that makes sense for them to subvert that, right? Like lightning reflexes or, uh, you know, trigger finger, whatever it is, like in fate. Um, so so like there's there's a mix there. It's a slight mix of narrative initiative uh and then um and then a sort of mechanic and like i i mean that 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 works i think a little bit better because i feel like giving players mechanical agency in that regard is probably positive like i i agree with uh i agree that um that players, their new players, like like often need permission to participate. Like, however that comes up, right? Like, either saying like it's your turn, or by um, saying like, oh, what do you do, or you know, doing something like that. Like, there's there's ways to point the spotlight at new players, and I think that having a mechanic for doing that is. Uh, is somewhat beneficial. Uh, so um, I think I feel like most initiative mechanics are stupid. I feel like most of them are pretty, pretty, pretty whack. Like just ro rolling a d twenty and adding a number like doesn't feel that good. I mean, I mean it's kind of it's kind of like oh anything could happen, but. It feels weird as like you know to be the archer, and like I've got bow and arrow out and trained on this dude, and then like I roll a one for initiative, and I'm just gonna sit here for a while, and uh, and uh, hang out, you know, instead of loosing a couple of arrows. Like it just feels like strange, and you can narrate that. Obviously, you can like patch the hole in the mechanic with, with <laughs> some narration where it's like, oh, yeah. you're you hesitate or whatever. But uh, it's just like, nah, no, the archer should fucking nail a dude. Like, yeah, and 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 I know D and D kind of isn't like this, but a lot of initiative systems, like everyone is taking their turn simultaneously. The initiative is just to really determine what actions are taken first, so you know, like what to like what to do. Like if the monster goes first, like yeah. like you and the monster are technically moving at the same time, but but like if the monster goes first, you could argue that that's you seeing the monster about to do something, and then he does it. Or, or you could argue that some monster seeing you about to do something, and he like steps in and kind of interrupts what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah. like, like a lot of that is very is very hand wavy, you know, like back end mechanic stuff. Like, mm -hmm. like 
to the players, it does feel like, okay, it's your turn now. You go. Okay, it's, 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 it's you go. And then, and then when the round's over, and especially with new players, you know, trying to say, like, okay, six seconds has passed. What do you do now? Right. Like, and, and they're like, what? We just, did, we just did all this for 15 minutes. It's like, yeah, but that was really only six seconds. So, so and it's really kind of hard to, to grip your head around it. I, I think Apocalypse World handles that, you know, very fine with, with, their, with their only the player rolls dice system. And then the mo- basically the player rolls and the monster reacts to that, or the or the player moves and then the monster reacts to that player's move. And as far as I'm aware, um, in Apocalypse World, any player can take their action at any time, just as long as it makes sense. So mm-hmm. like, a, one player can have their turn skipped like five times, as long as it makes sense for them, their turn to be skipped for like five times. Right. If it depends on like, like um, so what, an interesting initiative mechanic, Riddle of Steel. I'm going to come back to that because it's an old favorite of mine. So Riddle of Steel's initiative mechanic is actually dexterity-based, kind of. You are, you are, you have a red D10 and a white D10 in, in your alternate hands, and you, with the GM, throw one or the other. And so white means you are on defense, and red means you go to attack. And... Um, you throw them simultaneously, or you're meant to throw them simultaneously, but you kind of want to guess which one, which one is going to be let go. So there's a little bit of a, like, you want to hesitate just a second. Uh, or there's a strong incentive to hesitate just a second. Um, but it's interesting because you can have these things where, like, both people throw a white die starting out, right? And then, like, okay, so you stand there in circle for a minute, and then you uh, do it again really quick because it's a very fast action, like physically to take. You do it again until one of you throws red. And if you throw red at the same time, then you there's actually a, uh, a initiative contest. But you both throw attack at the same time, so you can actually stab each other, right? You could, you know, go past each other and and uh, run each other through. And so there's there's, but what all the what what happens is in the game is the 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 focus the screen time focused is exclu- exclusively on that exchange between that those two characters maybe maybe there's another character in there maybe one more like three on one is a pretty or or two on two is pretty complicated and that doesn't usually it, it riddle still handles one on one fights or one on twos um and so but for that moment you're just everybody's like kind of like waiting with bated breath because combat riddle steel is extremely lethal like sometimes comically so and so when there's a combat that happens like everybody's like okay somebody's gonna get got and it might be it's you know if if somebody makes a bad move and it's actually possible to make bad moves in riddle of steel like and throw and you know commit too much to one thing and not leave yourself enough dice for defense and uh, and get tagged and it, it's pretty bad so uh that's an interesting mechanic for initiative because it's so it it tries to get so close to what the opening exchange of a sword duel is like where you're not sure who's going to throw who's actually going to put their body into the fray first so i i appreciate that as an initiative mechanic um i haven't seen anything like it in another game and 
it's it's uh, something that doesn't work online and so i even in the successor games i don't think they've done that so like in song of swords and uh uh is it way to the iron throne i think that's that's what's called but i don't think they use that mechanic i don't know i don't know what they use that's actually i don't know maybe they do use it huh I, I i can't remember seeing it or not i feel like it might have been just a reflex check or something like that uh anyway Hmm. Yeah. Initiative mechanics. Stupid. Nah, not always. So that was my that was my overly long response to a hot take that I should chide myself for. Shame. Shame. Um Shame for dish prey. Here's a here's a hot take. Uh more people should take improv classes if they want to play a lot more RPGs. <laughs> I should take improv classes. Yeah, ooh, that is spicy. I, I include myself in this, by the way. <laughs> I don't think you need a class so much as you just need to practice on it. That's true. I And, you know, try to use um, the equivalent of the stuff that you would rather, like, um, like uh whatchamacallit like exercises that'll be yeah. beneficial for it. It's like any other skill. It's like it's not like people were only able to improv because they had taken classes for it previously. No, they they practiced and did a lot of stuff. Like it had to be created originally without classes, right? Mm. So yeah. I I mean They would help though. Yeah. And not to overexplain it, but what I really just mean is people people need to you know practice people need to practice lying and acting, acting. not like real lying, but yeah, acting, believing acting. believing themselves, there being we go. Themselves, people need to practice being in touch with themselves. I agree. That's true, and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a being in touch with somebody else that's a weird it's a weird place to be because like if you want to embody i think there's there's not enough oh here's a hot take here we go uh there's not enough emphasis in rpgs on identifying with motivations that are different from your own yeah that's fair yeah okay that's I mean, to be That's fair, like, a lot of them... Not such a hot take, I'm sorry, fuck. No, just saying, like, a lot of RPGs do allow for players to play an avatar of themselves. Yeah. The, so. I think, I think, like, from that, it's... And I know certain games do add, add mechanics to kind of encourage that, but at the same time, it's like... I think that's more of a group dynamic. Like the group needs to encourage each other more. Be like, hey, do you want to do this or does your character want to do this? Like, like, and and I'm like I'm of the of the person that that like trying to make a mechanic to make to encourage you to do something you know against yourself is not that 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 in my head kind of makes the game feel weird to me because now I'm. I'm trying to do something 
I'm trying to do something that may not even make sense for that character to do because mechanically it's beneficial. Yeah. Um, because it's like, it's like, oh, like, like, you know, you, you need to give your player incentive to, to not be themselves. But at the same time, it's like, because the, the character is that player, is a version of that player self, no matter how hard you try, like, I think even, even most acting, um, except for maybe the truly great actors, like you, you are acting a version of yourself. It's not, it's not, you know, a perfect, you know, this, this is who I am, but you are, you are channeling an aspect of yourself in, into your acting. Um, I don't think that's a problem. Which but like your hot take in and of itself. When 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 you make, but, but what I'm saying is like when you make a mechanic that encourages you to to do that, you may also be going against your characters, you know, uh, what your character would actually do in the situation. Depending on the mechanic, I suppose. I don't know. I'm. I, yeah. I I've never been able. I've never been um, created enough to answer how I would do that in a satisfactory manner because I've thought about it a few times but I'm sure someone's come up with a better way to encourage the players to do something outside of themselves mm -hmm. hmm. I mean one of the easiest ways really is just okay make something that your character considers important or values when they're doing something that the character considers important or values, they get a uh, benefit or advantage of some sort for doing it. This way, the players naturally trend towards wanting to do the thing that matters to the character rather than what matters to them. And maybe it's just the people and groups I've played with, but whenever that's happened, I always found the characters start becoming very one-dimensional. Yeah, Ken, if you make it so that there's only one thing they care about. Why no? But, like, I mean, as many dimensions as, like, the very specific things that you have to come up with mechanically. Like, like the characters then start, you know, disregarding everything else in their life. Um, and it becomes, like... I I don't know if one dimension was the right term for it, but because like you said, you can't have multiple things, but like the characters be start becoming very hyper-focused on <laughs> very specific things. Like to, to, it's sometimes very awkward, like, mm. like, like way to act. Like no one acts like this. Like, why is your character so obsessed with this one specific like trait of everyone? And it's like, like, no, people, I, some people act like that, like but like, People worth talking about tend to be like that is the problem. Like, if you look at, say, basically any Olympic athlete, they tend to hyper-focus on their sport, like, whatever it is. Like, that tends to be their entire life for the most part. If you, if you aren't dedicated to something to that degree, then you're probably not worth talking about. Like, we don't tend to talk about like you know the people that aren't the best in the world at stuff mm -hmm. because they're not really interesting for the most part true but like even 
even a lot of Olympic athletes, um, only because I was, I was, I actually listened to a, a podcast the other day about pole vaulting specifically. Um, they, th- the guy did stuff outside of pole vaulting, like, because you can only pole vault so many times in a body. It's just like, no, like, what I'm doing right now, my body's too actually tired to do it. And if I keep doing it, it's going to teach me bad habits. So I, mm-hmm. I have to stop and take a break. And like, you, you know, they would go play video games or they would read a book. Like, like they are not just pole vaulting, despite them being on the Olympic level. Like they, they can't, you can't physically do that all, all day long for, you know, 18 hours a day because eventually your body won't, it, it, it won't move right when you need it yeah. to move right. Yeah. It depends on the specific thing, but yeah. Like pole vaulting is probably a pretty good example example of that yeah like pole vaulting an, is, is just the example that i had for an anti-example of it i'd say like sumo wrestling because they do basically train like all day every day oh sumo guys yeah they, they yeah that's that's true sumo dudes do tend to like live for the top for like the years they're active yeah that is mm. that is a lot of like that's pretty much their whole life yeah, that's okay. So there's an example of both. I see both. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. That, that's interesting because then you bring up sumo because, like, I remember, like, I was briefly into it for, like, because back when broadcast television, I think Channel 56 used to, maybe Channel 18, I can't remember what it was, used to show sumo matches all, like on Friday nights. <laughs> Like it was after, after some other show. It was either I think it was after Homicide Life on the Street. Like you, it was X Files, Homicide Life on the Street, and then you would go to Channel 18 for Sumo, and they would have like it was only like 25 minutes. It was a weird like block of time, and in that time they'd have like 25 minutes was like shit. Like I don't know, 20 matches something like that. They're pretty fast. Um. And you know they lead up and they talk about the guy and they have the match. The match is like, you know, ten yeah. seconds, thirty seconds. Some of them, some really long. It's surprising. Like yeah. sumo is nothing like you'd think it would be. From like if you haven't watched it, it's like it's fast and they are extremely fed. Like yeah. it's like that is almost entirely muscle with a thin layer of fat on top of it. Yeah, I mean, there are dudes that are, there are dudes that are, like, real big, real big, like, they're, you know, really, like, really, really big, big, not, and it's not muscle, they're just, they're just fat, and... They don't do very well, though. (laughs) Not to, like, it tends to be the guys that are a little more agile, although there are big guys that are really, that are really skilled, that will, you know, be able to toss you around, but, um, you know, the, uh, there there are guys that are sort of, like, what would be considered lower weight classes that are really good at tossing and like redirecting force and stuff like that. And there's, there's some pretty, it's pretty interesting. Like how, how some matches are won. A lot of them, it's just like letting the other dude go past or, uh, you know, there's, yeah, it's interesting. It's a really interesting sport. Hot take. Sumo wrestling is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is there a sumo wrestling RPG? I, I have. There's a. There's a. Uh, huh. hmm. Probably is. That's too intense, though, man. That's that's. I I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure talking to them though, they'd still have you know opinions about various things other than sumo wrestling. I mean, true, that's what they're good at at the moment, and that's most likely what they're going to be talked to about. Mm. But. Well, they probably have like some other stuff to a degree, though. Sumo wrestling, like Rob said, it, they do basically eat, breathe, and whatever sumo for like it is a lifestyle for a few years. Like it's not something that you do for a lifelong career for very long. Mm. Yeah. Apparently, there's a uh, <clears throat> the the I I googled. Sumo wrestling RPG. What I found was a game called Road to Yokozuna, which is a fantasy sumo RPG rundown played out on Discord. So there is something. This was two. It's two years old. It's old Reddit <laughs> sumo. Yeah, that's. I feel that. like. I mean, aside from like weird niche like RPG groups like that, because I mean, maybe they do have a mechanic for you know rolling and and doing things but at the same time it's like it's like you you have to already have a love for that thing <laughs> or or at least have an interest in it like i i could see you being like um and i, I can't remember what they're called but the, the, there are equivalent of like sumo squires i don't know i don't know what the word is but like th- there's basically a person in training and you could i suppose role play one of those people you know and that's how you learn about sumo wrestling is entirely through this rpg but yeah. I I have a feeling that just in general you have to have a love for the sport that very few people can can just stomach, you know, in order to do something like that. Yeah, I think uh, you would have to be something where somebody's really intent on making it interesting in a way where it's like you kind of Harry Potterize it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like turn it into like the school experience and then i think then i think you're right like as as a learning experience about the sport it could be pretty it could be pretty interesting uh yeah well there was there's another podcast that i was listening to where there was a facebook group that basically pretended to be an office of people uh-huh. done by like high schoolers like they were basically role-playing what they thought working in an office was like <laughs> and then and then actual people like actual adults like started getting into this group and like and like they all had actual office jobs they oh. kept trying to do like weird stuff like lizards got loose in the office and everyone's like what the hell like what do you mean lizards got loose in the office like like it it was basically like this entire facebook group where they where every single post was in an email like um like they were emailing their office mates about about various different things like how they need like the forms by next week or 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 just like other random stuff like and it was just this weird office LARP that they had. And then, and then, yeah, but then adults like got in and started making it like crazy and wacky because, because yeah, their, their standard office lives needed a little, a little bit of change. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be like that, I suppose. I don't, I, I, I don't even remember where I was going anymore with that 
<laughs> That's okay. So, you know, one of those things. I, I don't, you know, sometimes I don't know where the fuck I'm going to start talking. Well, I posted something in relation to the thing in the Discord, which for our listeners, if you had joined the Discord, you could actually see this. No. Don't you don't join the Discord right now? You can do it. You can do it. See the thing. (laughs) See the thing. Look at it. It's so such a thing. It is. It's a big thing. Big thing. Just, just be, be in awe of how big the thing is that you're missing <laughs> by not having the visual aid of this cartoon. That is good. We are not going to tell you what the cartoon is. You will have to come over. Ha ha. Say a thigh to thee. Perhaps I will post the link to the Discord in this podcast recording as I have done mm. before in some other uploads, but maybe I'll do it this time. And you you may join us in this hellish place. Hellish. Huzzah. But, yeah. I don't of- think we should probably head off. I, we've been at this for two hours, and it was a pretty good topic. It was enjoyable. Yeah, I was going to say, someone from work is trying to call me anyway, so, ha. Huh. <laughs> there you go. I am not right. the only Jonathan, or or he's not the only Jonathan who has who has work calling on them. Yeah. I know. Well, I, uh, yeah, work was brutal this week. Anyway, but in a good way. All right. Thank you for listening. If you were listening, this has been Bill Forward for uh, Catrice Monty. Jonathan, what left earlier? And also, question: If you're not listening, how do you know that we're talking to you? What? <laughs> yeah, you said like if you're listening, but if they're not listening, then they didn't hear that, right? Right. So you can just assume that they're listening. What if they just started listening? Right yeah. at that like point. Just right now? Mm. Yeah. They they had it on play, but for whatever reason it was muted the whole episode. And then they just then unmuted and started playing. Because it's 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 obviously live a live radio, right? Yeah. This yeah, is, see? It's very unedited. <laughs> okay. I'll accept right. this as an answer. Good. You should. You should accept all things. About all things. all things, there are certain things that you don't want me accepting. <laughs> uh, yeah, like things. Don't accept there are things, but accept accept all things. All right, everybody. Yeah. Good night. It is not where except you are. That it is night where you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Craig, leave, sir. <laughs>